everybody and welcome back to Round the Outside here on the Speed and Shoot podcast with a recovered Adham and uh, slightly I'm, still... I'm still, yeah, still yeah. not fully recovered. But, but um, you know, we're going to do, we're going to try our best. Last time went pretty well, I'd say, so... Um, of course, I, I mean, we've been away for a while. Chinese Grand Prix was cancelled, wasn't it? So Yeah, I mean, a month of that. Why are we having month-long breaks? Yeah, this was a big after break. After three weekends, that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, surely they could have planned for this, right? They could have sort of sensed that the Chinese Grand Prix wouldn't go ahead. And maybe not do this because now we've got five races in six weeks, which uh, I mean for us is great, but I, I'm not sure how happy the drivers will be about about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's right though because you've sent an email to the FIA, haven't you? So yeah, I have uh, sent them my personal uh, their customer email service. Um, um, Roll got back to you. Yeah, um, they don't normally get back to me, but you know maybe <laughs> this time will be different. Um, so this podcast we're going to talk about the events of the Australian Grand Prix, and we've had a long a lot time. happened. To, to digest all that happened um, in that particular weekend and also just give our thoughts on, on Baku um, which is coming up soon as well at the end so without further ado a lot to talk about a lot to talk about so we're going to start um, at the beginning of the whole weekend first practice session you know, we thought we'd even talk about practice because even in practice I mean a lot happened lot we, we never this is the first time we're ever covering practice sessions but you know a lot did go so on. So just an FP1 alone, we got two red flags and a GPS issue where um, cars couldn't... Uh, Communicate send, with their teams. And, um, um, that meant that they couldn't tell people to get out of the way and there was yeah, a lot so, of misses. I mean, th- there was already loads of uh, drivers complaining about the traffic anyway. Uh, what made it worse was drivers that just weren't getting out of the way for other drivers who were trying mm-hmm. to put in hot laps. Mm-hmm. So lots of drivers were going off track. Um and there was a lot of high-profile errors, uh, errors from high-profile drivers. For example, Verstappen spinning at turn four, dips a tire in the gravel, and at turn uh, 11, had some more issues, was... which I'm sure he won't be happy with. Um, no, his teammate Perez also went wide on turn three in the first practice session. Yeah, Perez was having trouble all weekend, and all it sort weekend, of culminated including... in this qualifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously other incidents like Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, Magnussen, Gravel a couple of times. We also need to talk about um, the Mercedes driver. So FP1, the session was over. And uh, during that session, it wasn't looking too good for Mercedes because uh, Russell stated that Red Bull was a second down the road. He and said, Russell's normally a bit of an optimist. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what didn't help was Hamilton also admitted, he said that it could take up to a year for the Silver Arrows to you know, get back on track. I mean... It so happens that when Hamilton speaks the most negatively is when Mercedes can turn up, and it's just what they did this weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember last year uh, in Canada, um, Lewis Hamilton said he's never felt so disconnected from a car, and then he sticks it on the podium. So, you know, you can sometimes I mean, take what they say with a pinch of salt. Exactly. Uh, another Hamilton thing, on our turn 11, he had quite a, you know, close call uh, sliding around the track. However... You have to say he handled it quite well. He didn't go off the track. He carried on driving. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really bother him that much, did it? You and, uh, yeah, l- last thing to to mention is the Williams just uh, died. Stop yeah, working. yeah. Load of sergeant. <laughs> he, he was like, my car just stopped working. But yeah, at the end of FP1, was it was, yeah, it was uh, Verstappen with a 118.7. Um, and then Hamilton and Perez followed closely behind. Yeah, Perez um, was uh, half a second behind his teammate and Hamilton was uh, 0.433 behind Verstappen uh, so I mean think about practice results you never really 
uh, how do I say this? I mean, I never really, I say, you know, I take it as it is, like, oh, okay, you know, this is that. However, until the qualifying you can't really sessions, tell you can't really tell, is. yeah. Because, you know, teams will trick you into thinking yeah. that that's all they've got this weekend, but really they're just holding off their maximum performance for quality. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, you can never really take it too much to heart, but it can give a good indication sometimes. Exactly. On to FP2. So FP2 was a uh, started raining in FP2. Yeah, a bit of rain, which caused a few problems for some of the drivers. Problem is with the rain, especially because FP2 is supposed to be the quali run where they put they test out the one lap pace. Um, so to have it raining is not particularly ideal. Um, the track was very busy at the start, and um, and about being busy, we have to um talk about this. So Perez went on a hot lap where he was blocked by an Aston Martin, which he wasn't really happy about. He let his team know about that. On his next hot lap, he was then slowed down by an Alfa Romeo, mm -hmm. who uh, didn't move out of his way in time. Uh, and then his teammate Verstappen blocked signs on a hot lap, uh, and Verstappen claimed he had no idea that signs was on a hot lap. He was like, how, "Mate, how am I supposed to know?" Yeah, just absolutely uh, if he's chaos. on his lap. <laughs> absolutely um, chaos. Which obviously, I mean, in racing, the thousandth of the thousandth of a second matters, and. In a hot lap, if you get slowed down even slightly, that will it, ruin your entire it's, it's ruined your whole lap, and uh, obviously that also causes problems because then your your tires are just a lap older by yeah, the time you so have to really redo your lap. That these uh, issues did not trickle into qualifying. Um, thankfully, it looked okay for the most part in quali, but yeah, obviously lots of issues um, in practice, and the rain sort of culminated in sending most cars back into the pits. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the pits, uh, before it started raining, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, Norris was very eager to get out on track. He fishtailed out of the garage and almost crashed in the pit lane, <laughs> uh, if you can remember that. Um, and then, still on Norris, as the rain started to fall, he, uh, he went off track. I'm pretty sure it was into the gravel trap. Yeah. I can't remember which turn, but... I mean, lots of Lots of racers got well acquainted with gravel traps over the weekend. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lance Stroll, a little love tap to the wall. Yeah. Uh, nothing too serious. However, um, when the track got wet, Lance Stroll also went off track multiple times as well. Yeah. Um, um, I don't want to be too critical of him because, you know, even the high-profile drivers, your Verstappens, your Perez, of course, your of course. were also making mistakes. Of so, course. Um, I mean, Alonso got the fastest lap before the rain started, and then after yeah, that, he was he was lucky enough to get that lap in before the rain started. Um, um, that was a one eighteen point eight for yeah, anyone wondering. And that was followed by uh, Leclerc and uh, Verstappen as well. Yep, and uh, one thing we do have to talk about as well. Um, I'm not going to lie to to you guys. I found this out in the highlights of FP two. Uh, I must have missed it, but um. Because of Alonso and Gasly's penalties for the starting positions in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, the grid boxes at Albert Park were widened by a whole 20 centimetres to prevent yeah. this. I mean, in my opinion, while the penalties are a bit harsh, they're also, I feel like they're inconsistent because sometimes you see shots of the grid um, and some cars look even wider out of position than Alonso and Gasly were, uh, or Ocon, sorry. Um... And yeah, no penalties. So I just think that it's um, a bit of an inconsistent rule. So it's good that they're maybe being a bit more lenient on it. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you're right, Ocon. I don't know why I went for said Gasly. That's my fault. Um, however, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think the reason they did it is because when drivers receive penalties before the race even starts, 
then you know even when they're trying their hardest and they manage to get you know podium place, it is always in the back of their mind that is more or less not going to count because yeah, exactly. once this, once this penalty is applied, then uh, they're going to go back. Yeah, back so a obviously few um, if they serve it in the pits, that's one thing. But you know, it, it ends up being a massive. Um, I'm pretty sure Ocon's uh, scared to serve in the pits. <laughs> I think he's got some sort of post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Because uh, what was it? I I can't remember now, but we did cover it in our other episode, but. I think it was like 0.6 of a second or... No, no, it was it was much less than that. I think it was like 0.1... one or yeah. something, yeah, of a second when his mechanic made contact with the car. And by made contact, they literally meant touch the car. Yeah, uh, you're but, not allowed to touch it at all. But obviously, in, in racing, like I said earlier, like every given, you know, second counts. And uh, rules are rules, you know, even if he does touch, even if he breathes on the car if the rules state yeah. that you can't do it then you can't do it you've got to respect the I mean rule. the problem is obviously we want rules followed to a T but unfortunately sometimes there can be inconsistencies and that's when I think that fans and teams get a bit frustrated of course um, just a final thing on FP2 uh, Alfa Romeo and Haas uh, ran new power units for this race yep. um, however unlike Ferrari um, they're using it within that allocation so there's no penalties for them yeah so um uh about that, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Yeah, so like like you said, Arhan, uh, it's within their allocation, so no penalties. However, it's the third race of a 23-race calendar, and teams are running new energy stores or new power units, you know, within the third race. You have to ask yourself, like, do you think that's smart? I mean, obviously, it doesn't really come down to, like, a choice. If they have to change it, they have to change it, but, like... For example, Ferrari's even worse. You said they they got a penalty because they've used they've used their allowance already, and um, we're in the third. I think there needs to be a conversation said about the in, the number of allocated engines that are allowed. Um, I think if it ends up being the whole grid at some point has to take a penalty, then you have to sort of decide. That's right. right yeah. Should they be allowed more than that? Of course. Um, but then I mean, again, if the rules are the same for everyone, then it doesn't really make a difference in the end. I mean, as time goes on. The cars are developing, people are introducing more and more, uh, you know, upgrades to the car and stuff. And eventually, you say to yourself, you know, as time goes on and everything gets upgraded, the energy store and the power unit might not be able to last as long as, long as it used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, um... that's, you know, I mean, for now it's alright, but like you said, if it gets to the point where almost the whole grid is receiving penalties because they've they've all changed their energy stores I mean, yeah, by I the end of the it's season. It's rare that a team won't have taken an engine penalty um at least once a season. So I think when when it comes to that, uh the FIA might consider it. But I think they almost would say if it's the same for everyone, then it doesn't really matter if everyone has to take a penalty at some point. Because it would be unfair if a team, for example, had really good reliability and didn't have to change their engine as much. Um, so yeah, I think it's something to be looked at, but shouldn't be changed for now. But uh, yeah, on to FP3. What have we got? Right, FP3. First of all, it was raining. We uh, mustn't forget. Whole of F- No, we mustn't forget um, that it's been raining. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the whole of FP3, it was raining. Uh, we'll get on to the lap times um It wasn't raining the whole time because there was some soft tyre runs. But yeah, there was a significant amount of rain. Right, yeah. Um... Well, I said we'll get on to the lap times in a minute, but we do have to say Verstappen did put in the fastest lap, 117.5. Uh, and the reason talking about that is because that was the fastest lap of the weekend so far. That like was faster than FP1 and FP2. 
um, which is weird because FP2 is normally the quali session, but yeah. um, it was obviously riddled with rain and GPS and all that rubbish. Um, so yeah, <laughs> one funny thing that happened was Esteban Ocon uh, got his shoes stuck on the gas pedal. Um, so Not to the point where the car wouldn't slow down, but to the point where he got into the pit, stopped the car, and he couldn't get out because his shoe was stuck. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah. Also about um. Uh, the Alpines. This was the last race of the pink Alpines. Which is this, a shame. I, actually really, I really like the pink Alpines. I remember in our first episode, uh, you you were saying how much you liked it. Yeah, I think red Alpines. I mean, people. Sorry, not red Alpines. Pink Alpines. Pink Where did Alpines. red come from? To be fair, red Alpine. That's uh, <laughs> not a terrible idea. Um. But let's, yeah, let's hope the Alpine team are listening to our podcast. Yeah, I don't think Otmar's um listening to Speed and Shoe in his uh free time. Not that he probably has much, but uh <laughs> yeah, so uh the GPS issues were gone for the most part. Um there was some traffic issues like Russell almost colliding with Stroll in turn six. Um and then yeah, just some more high profile errors. Perez locked up on turn three, went off track on turn thirteen, which is sort of more foreshadowing of his uh, issues in qualifying. Um, Perez and Leclerc hit the gravel in turn one, Magnussen, and there was a red flag um, for the debris. No, the debris from debris from, from uh, just before turn nine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, about Magnussen going off track, uh, we must state that was on turn 13. Yeah. Of uh, the um, other parts. Which okay. proved to be a, an issue for quite a few drivers. But yeah, that was the final uh, practice session, and it was Verstappen followed by Alonso and Esteban Ocon doing quite well. Yeah. Um, which brings us on to qualifying, which is definitely an interesting. What an session. eventful qualifying that was! <laughs> so it started off with Logan Sargent sliding off track turn thirteen. Um, yeah, Perez. That was due to a lockup, I believe, on his front left tire. But I, I could yeah. just I could just be making that up. <laughs> And uh, after all of Perez's issues, they all culminated into on his first um, hot lap in Q1, goes off, gets beached, and that's it for his qualifying. Yeah, Perez couldn't actually put in a time at all because on his, you know, that was on his hot lap that he went off. His first hot lap. Yeah. But yeah, that brings us on to a conversation I think that needs to be had about gravel traps, because so gravel tra- we could all agree gravel traps are designed to punish the driver errors so when you go off on the gravel trap even if your tire clips it a little bit you have a very high chance of just spinning off the track yeah i mean it's there but it's also there for safety in terms of it helps bring the car to a halt so it doesn't go barreling into the wall um yeah i mean for example yuki snowders in a in 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 practice when he went off i believe it was fp1 he was quite lucky not to hit the wall though the gravel did slow him down quite a bit yeah but i think there also comes a risk of for example, at the start of the race, sometimes you're forced onto it and then uh, you're beached and you can't move and that's your race or qualifying over. Um, but obviously safety is the number one priority. However, I think if there's a way to make it so that cars can get slowed down, but also it doesn't stop them from continuing the race, I'm sure it's not that simple. Otherwise <laughs> yeah. they would have done it. But um, yeah, it's definitely a conversation to be had because we see it a lot, especially at Albert Park um, and it can ruin races really. Um, we have to talk about uh, well, if, if you're done with that, we have to talk about Piastri, which is home Grand Prix, yes, Australia, ever, his first F1 home Grand Prix F1, um, at uh, Albert Park, and unfortunately he doesn't make it into Q2. Um, no. Good job, good job. Uh, no, never mind. I thought he made it into Q2. Oh, no, no, make he didn't. It into Q1. Yeah, that it was, was super. Fault. It was super, super close. 
Um, his it was quite. Mate, he did. I feel. He did try his best, and you could tell by obviously Crofty and them were talking about him, and and it showed you his POVs and everything. He was giving it his all. So I. But then again, every driver gives it their all, doesn't it? But maybe perhaps there was a bit of pressure, and maybe it got to him a bit because the McLaren was faster than the Q1 elimination. Yeah. Um, Norris gets into Q2. Um, However, goes off track, and again he had a few issues in practice, and unfortunately misses out on on Q3 as well. So in Q3, Alonso puts in a provisionally fastest lap as a of a one seventeen point three. Yep, which gets displaced by Hamilton, who puts in a one seventeen point two. Yep, and at that point, Quali looked really close, and then Mister Max Verstappen brought us back to reality by putting <laughs> half a second on the field. Yeah, but he, um, he he makes it look easy. Like I can't say Verstappen's my favorite driver. However, you can't deny that he is. One of, if not the best driver on the grid right now. I mean, unfortunately, when you think it's close and you know you get your hopes up that it could be, you know, really close qualifying. Unfortunately, then you hear that <laughs> Honda engine come yeah, around. You see it across the line in the Red Bull, just far, half a second, just easy. Um, so it finished off with uh, Verstappen on pole position, followed by uh, Russell and Hamilton. Um, but yeah, definitely a strong uh, qualifying for Mercedes who. Uh, outqualified both Aston Martin and Ferrari, who are their main competition at the minute. Um, yeah, it just shows that perhaps they're getting that act together, and maybe with the month break that I complained about earlier, <laughs> perhaps they could be uh, even closer in Azerbaijan. Yeah, and we have to talk about, in this month break, Christian Horner announced that Red Bull will be getting uh, two new upgrades on their cars. As if they needed upgrades. As if they needed upgrades. <laughs> uh, I personally don't know what the upgrades are. I've probably missed it. Um However, yeah, like like you said, Adam, as if they needed upgrades, they're just going to be even more but yeah, powerful now. So I was sort of wondering about, um, you know how Red Bull broke the cost cap and then they obviously had to serve um, reduced wind tunnel time. And I was thinking, they're even faster this season compared to the other cars than they were last season. But then uh, I saw a quote come out. I don't quite remember who it was from, but they said that Red Bull will feel the effects of that penalty or punishment later in the season. So perhaps that's something to keep your eyes peeled for um, and we'll potentially see. But yeah, I think that concludes our thoughts on qualifying. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Formula 1, anything could happen. Yeah. Literally anything. Sometimes it could come down to it not being the driver's fault at all. Uh, Like we're going to get onto Russell in the race. (laughs) Yeah, poor guy. Uh, But yeah, like you said, we we could very well see see the damage later in the season yeah exactly um and we just don't know it which minute. i'm here for i'm not going to lie <laughs> i i just want to see something exciting I want to see some close competition um at the end of the day formula one you get to see quite a lot in terms of in depth and you, you get to be quite involved in terms of the coverage in terms of seeing the teams and behind the scenes however at the end of the day there'll be a lot that we don't know about and we'll only see later in the season when it comes to uh fruition Right, now, let's move on to the race. Uh, what have we got to cover in the race? So, first of all, I think off the five red lights, we have to mention how strong Mercedes had, uh, how strong the start was from Mercedes, um, with Russell getting a great move of, uh, over Max Verstappen into turn one, and then Hamilton, um, who really pushed it to the limits, but I think it was hard but fair racing, um, getting the move into turn three, and that puts Mercedes um, in a one-two early in the race, which is very exciting. Um, I mean, personally, sorry, were you saying anything else? I was just going to say because um, it showed that they can match the pace, which later was disproven, but at that point it was quite exciting. 
I mean, yeah, I was going to say um, Russell's turn one, Hamilton's turn three, and uh, Verstappen's overtake uh, in the DRS zone. I think those three are contenders for overtake of the race. I think you saying Hamilton's overtaken to turn three would be quite a um, uh, a statement for the Red Bull fans to hear because they're obviously uh, fuming, fuming that he didn't get a penalty. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I thought from a, from a neutral perspective, I thought it was... Hard but fair racing. I don't think he pushed him off too much. Yeah, I mean, um, that was a little bit biased for me because I, I really like Mercedes. <laughs> if I had to support... A, I mean, Formula One's not like football. You don't really support a team, but obviously you have fan favourites. And for me, I think Mercedes... I really want to see Mercedes do well uh, this season. I think you tend to have allegiances more than... So, if, for example, I'm pretty neutral. Um, at the moment, I don't really particularly see Red Bull doing as well as something enjoyable just because I want to see competition but you know to be fair if it was more level-headed I, I just think I'd enjoy the spectacle to be honest um so yeah yeah um with that covered we have to talk about uh Le- Leclerc um going off on turn three. Oh, Charles oh Charles now it's a weird one because when we first saw it everyone thought oh Stroll pushed him off you know tapped him he lost you know Lost it, whatever. However, after the replays, it was obvious that it was nothing really to argue about. Stroll had his teammate to the right. He was pushed so close to him, he couldn't go any further, otherwise he was going to tap Alonso. I mean, at the end of the day, he had nowhere to go. Unfortunately, exactly. Leclerc's we- race had to get sacrificed, and it was just a, a racing incident. But obviously, yeah. the Ferrari tears are still rolling. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that as well. The stewards... It was officially classed as just a racing incident, uh, and the stewards said they're not going to investigate any further because what would you want Stroll to do there? He's not exactly going to break in a race, is he? Because the car's behind him, he's not going to go to the right. I mean, he couldn't go to the left anyway because that's where but yeah, Charles was. Yeah, just unfortunate in the end that uh, it had to end Charles Leclerc's race. But uh, we move. Um, the next big incident obviously happened when Alex Albon sent it past the um, after that long strike, just decked it into the walls got beached lost his front wing um, all over the track and that's when the safety car gets pulled out for the second time um, and uh, and a red flag yeah but first under the safety car Russell and Science pit under the safety car yeah you're right pit. you're right they, they do they get an advantage um, unfortunately for those two and I think this was poor from the FIA the red flag came out after I think it was two laps under the safety car yeah I was going to say the re- they, they, they let the safety car you know do a couple laps, and then pull the red flag out, which that is more than enough time for cars to pit if they were going to pit. You know yeah, I, mean? I just think it's unfair that... I think they have to be better at judging and just saying, all right, it's a red flag straight away. And I'm not one to say always bring out the red flag, but I think in this situation it was clear that it was clear wasn't going to be cleared off easily. And it was clear because needed. the rear of his car was still on the track as well. Yeah. so um, And stopped. it was obvious he's not moving. The driver had to get out. Uh, driver's not going to get out with cars flying by on the track in case... I mean, if anything as simple as a car spinning out and clipping the back of his car could be quite dangerous to the um, uh, to Alex to Alex Albon as well. So it was. I, I, I agree with you. I don't agree that the red flag should always get brought out. However, in this instance, I personally think it was quite obvious that it was going to be a red flag. Yeah, and I think when you have thousands of pieces of gravel spat across the track, yeah. it's obviously going to have to be cleared out somehow. And to get the stewards on with their brooms, when you, know, you need you to bring, to <laughs> <the race. laughs> when yeah. you need to bring out that big 
heavy machinery to lift the car and move it. I mean, yeah. like the car wasn't moving. It was obvious. I mean, the most it moved was after the initial crash. He did drive forward a little bit to try and get off the track more. But like I said, the the rear of his car was still in the yeah. I mean, unfortunately for Russell at the time, it was fury uh, like. I mean, it would have been but... a would have been a you know great idea if it wasn't a red flag. Yeah, it would have been amazing. But you know, it wouldn't have helped him anyway because it eventually we'll get onto what happened with him later but yeah 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 um, in terms of uh obviously what happened in the race after hamilton then takes the lead because of russell's pit he goes down to p7 um so obviously after the restart hamilton maintains the lead into turn one and for a couple laps until drs is activated before... until the austrian man comes around the corner with his honda engine the dutch man we're in his Austrian car. What did I say? You said Austrian. Oh. Well, the I, I Austrian was, No, I probably was thinking of Red Bull. I meant to say Dutch. The Dutch man. Um, he was born in Belgium though, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he technically has like four home Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got the yeah. Dutch Grand Prix, the Belgian Grand Prix, and obviously the Red Bull Grand Prix, uh, the Red Bull home Grand Prix and the Red Bull in the Red Bull ring. So yeah. Um, plenty of love for Max Verstappen, even if it's not coming from you. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm sure he's not losing sleep over it. Listen, I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's just, I don't, I don't know why, but he is quite irritating on the grid sometimes. But regardless, he's a great driver and there's, that's not, no one can argue against that. And obviously no one can uh, also argue with the Red Bull's pace in terms of DRS, uh, especially yeah. when it's such a long straight. Verstappen retook the lead from Hamilton and then... I mean, Verstappen so far, Bahrain victory, Saudi Arabia second place, and now Australia Hamilton. victory as well. Um but yeah, that was. Um, I remember Crofty saying it. Uh, we know how effective DRS is, but examples like this really. I mean, I know Red Bull probably has better pace than Mercedes anyway, but you can't deny that DRS does have a big, you know, effect on on the cars. Yeah, I mean, DRS is great for overtaking. Um, it's not so great for people trying to hold the lead when they're not of in the course. faster car. Of course. But um, yeah, obviously we're not going to complain. DRS I mean, is wasn't great it sport. wasn't it introduced for the the time lost on? Um, corners yeah so essentially the whole purpose of it is um you know the dirty air in corners makes it too hard to overtake once you get to the straight because you've lost too much time so drs basically neutralizes that time that you lose in the dirty air exactly um, there's more rules on it as well i mean you can't activate until two laps into the race yeah and i think they're thinking about changing that to one lap really although the whole reason why it's two laps is just so that cars can space out a bit before you know, so there's not too much bunching up, I suppose. Um, but yeah, obviously Verstappen retakes the lead after that. I mean, I'm happy as well. Uh, I think we saw it in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, Adam. Uh, but now, I can't, well, I can't remember which Grand Prix it was, but lapped cars now, it used to be so if a car gets lapped and they're one second within the car that lapped them, they can activate their DRS. Which is stupid. Which was stupid. <laughs> However, this season, I'm pretty sure they've scrapped that. So now if you get, obviously, see blue... Blue lights, blue flags. You move to the side, they overtake you. If you're within one second of them, you don't get, you don't get to activate. Which makes which, more sense because in theory, you're not a second behind. You're a whole lap behind, exactly. a lap and you're a second like, behind uh, them. A minute and a half. You know what I mean? Second, you're a whole you know? lap and a second behind them, um, so you shouldn't be allowed to. But uh, I'm glad that's been scrapped. But yeah, so after after Verstappen takes the lead from Hamilton, um, there's a bit of a quieter period before Russell eventually recovers to P4, and then his car spontaneously combusts into flames. Um, yeah. which is uh, just sort of you know I'm sure you guys have seen the AI voices now of the drivers but <laughs> that so one was funny 
Toto um, telling him that he's on fire. <laughs> Stop the car, you're on fire. Yeah, George um, saying thank you, Toto. I can no, George. This car underneath me. <laughs> no, George, you're you're literally on fire. Oh, there's there's no like metaphor about this. Oh, but, um, I do love those AI voices. Of course, so of course, much, yeah, so much fun. But um, it was, you know, simple for us. We just pulled over to the side. Yeah, out. I pulled over. I mean, it was only a virtual safety car because he was at the ex- end of the pit lane, so they could just pull it in. Yeah, I mean, still, I feel really bad for him. I the do. Poor guy. That literally culminated his whole weekend because after it's just bad luck. He he performed so well, so gets P two over Hamilton. He is a great driver as well. Um, obviously, it would have been a great strategy to pit under the safety car, and who knows how the race would have turned out um, if the red flag got pulled out at the right time. Um, and then obviously, uh, yeah, the engine blowing up at the end is not ideal, especially because Mercedes normally have one of the most reliable uh, engines in terms of. Was it the engine that actually blew up? Yeah, I or... think it was the engine. Oh, wow. It was an engine failure. Um, but yeah, it's it's strange just because Mercedes are pretty much the most reliable teams, uh, reliable team in terms of um, engines. So I mean, yeah, obviously, loads of people have been saying this season. After, for example, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, it's embarrassing for Mercedes because um, Aston Martin is, and I quote, a copy and pasted version of the Mercedes. Yeah, in terms of the engine. I mean, I saw that on I saw that on Instagram. You know, you know, you know when a friend wants to copy your homework and you say just change a few of the words. Yeah, so they exactly won't notice. The Aston Martin. That's literally Mercedes Aston Martin. Engine and Red Bull's design, <laughs> and yeah, just puts in a better car than Mercedes for the first two races. But you know, Mercedes will be relieved knowing that the pace was there. Um, in this particular Grand Prix, whether it was due to their development or whether the track just suited their car more, um, we won't know until we see more um, races. But for now, it was a strong weekend, despite the reliability of George Russell. Of course. And uh, the next biggest thing after Russell's car um, blew up, <laughs> Magnussen. I remember, the ca- I remember it was funny because the cameras just switched on his car. And then you, and then you, you, you know, you squint a bit. You're like, am I seeing things or is his rear right tire not there? Yeah, and then <laughs> in the replay, you see he just sort of kissed the wall on the way out, and then his it, whole tire. It cleanly just off. took his tire off. Yeah, and and then you just see a clip after the tire just sat just, there in the middle of the track yeah, while that, the cars are passing. That's the whole reason um, the red flag was called out, not yeah. because of his crap, not because of his crash, because he retired safely. However, there was a tire just sat in the middle of the racetrack. I mean, this one was debatable. I. I Verstappen came out after and said he he wasn't sure that red flag was necessary, and I kind of agree with him to be honest because your safety car comes out, all the cars bunch together, and then a steward can take the tire and leave. Yeah, you know I yeah. don't think that the red flag was particularly necessary. Although Hamilton did come on the radio and say that there was a lot of debris, so you know it's debatable. Yeah, that might have. Been I think it's a, it's a fifty fifty. They could have brought out the safety car, um, but yeah, it was the red flag in the end, which did set up a very exciting. End of the race. Yeah, um, I mean, we restarted. Technically, it was the third time they're starting again. The third standing start. Of However, the you made a good point. You said the first start isn't a restart. Obviously, it's just to start of the race. So it was so the second restart. Second restart, technically, this was. Um, in the 57th lap out of 58 yeah, laps. Yeah, so we got so two was, racing yeah. laps. We were all licking our lips. And then, unfortunately, what followed was not the most ideal way to end I mean, we race. were all licking our lips because for it to restart with... Two racing laps to go. Hamilton and Verstappen on um, the front row. Yeah, and all the cars are bunched up together again. You never yeah. know. Uh, however, all the cars being bunched up together again also caused a mess, didn't An it? Absolute, absolutely chaotic. A huge we could have written mess. a whole podcast 
Oh, just on that last lap. On this last lap, but um, we're going to keep it short and sweet. Um, so we've got uh, Science, who obviously tapped Alonso, um, uh, coming out of turn one, which resulted in him getting a five-second penalty. Talk to me about that five-second penalty. Well, here's the thing. I think if you isolate the incident, he did tap him, and it, it is Science's fault, I would spot, say. Yeah. But I think you really have to use context in these decisions because, A, the whole field is bunched up and it's difficult to judge and, you know, he's watching a lot of things and it's an unfortunate... I, I wouldn't say it's too dissimilar from what happened to with Stroll and Leclerc. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, the FIA did view it as a five-second penalty, which, as an isolated incident, I would understand. But in this situation... The lap didn't count in the end. It was reinstated. It, it was um, it was neutralized. So do you um, think his penalty shouldn't have counted either? So here's the thing: How can you give a five second penalty for something that didn't happen under under a race technicality? Te- like if we're gonna be like technical about this. Yeah, I get that point. However, the for example, uh, Alonso probably wouldn't agree with that. I mean, he got pushed up. Sainz was in a podium position, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. third. Uh, that was until the five second penalty. No, was no, no. He was, he was fourth, and then he taps Alonso and then becomes the right. result. So if he would, he was not penalized. So in the theory, he wouldn't have got into the podium anyway. Yeah, if he... but he was still robbed of, well, he would say he was robbed of ten points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or twelve, twelve points. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I think, especially when the race finishes behind the safety car at the end, five seconds takes you from fourth all the way to the back of the field. I think. Yeah. As science described, it was a bit too severe, and I think they have to use more context in these decisions. Um, um, I mean, what was more chaotic than that was the teammates. I mean, I said, the this, Alpine in, teammates, I said this in the first pod, in the first podcast we did. I said it will happen at some point. It happened earlier than I thought. I mean, Gasly and, uh, and Ocon colliding both out the both race. DNFs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't a small crash. Yeah, an it absolute was... nightmare for Alpine and. Um, I mean, both drivers came out in the interviews after and just said, look, nothing personal, these things happen, blah, blah, blah. But on the inside, it's obviously fuming with each I other. I mean, <laughs> like you said, they say these things happen, this, that, but I can't help but think it was quite an awkward conversation back in the paddock. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, the <laughs> Alpine's principal just staring at both of them. Yeah, I don't think things are lovely-dovely like, there at the minute, and I think uh, it's going to be telling in the next race how whether they're still going to cooperate as well as they should be. Yeah. Um, and I said, I will, uh, in the first podcast, I said, I want to see what happens when they first have their first incident and this is their first incident I mean, properly. We've also, uh, we also spoke about, I mean, we covered Verstappen and Perez. However, Russell and Hamilton, we, we were saying Russell might start getting under Hamilton's skin a little bit because it, they're both great drivers. However, Hamilton's legacy and how long he's been with Mercedes, he wants that number one driver role, and so does Russell. And like you said, Toto came out and said we don't favour a driver over, over the other, but in Formula 1, sometimes your biggest rival ends up being your teammate. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, you're always pushing to try and get ahead of your teammate, and I think that's when you can get incidents like Gasly and Ocon in Australia, like Ricardo and Verstappen in Baku. Um, of course, yeah. You know, like Hamilton and Rosberg in Spain. You know, these things can happen when you're pushing to the limit. I think this one was slightly less severe just because of all the chaos that was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It clearly wasn't something that either driver intended. 
to happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, that's I mean, just, it looks bad on Alpine, but I really don't think it was as deep as some people are suggesting. I mean, um, you know, the cars that slid out off the track wasn't the reason for the red flag. It was the DNF for both Alpines. And uh, I think that... That caused it in lap 57, which just resulted in uh, people just... Everyone just crossing the finish line behind the safety car, didn't it? So yeah, no that's how the racing, race ended. Yeah. No more racing laps. Lap 57 was neutralised and the race finishes behind the safety car with Verstappen taking the chequered flag, Hamilton in P2 and Alonso completes the podium. Hamilton did uh, quite well. I mean, Verstappen and Alonso so far have been on the podium in every race this calendar. You, yeah. just, gotta, you, just, you just have to ask the question, are they both going to be on every podium? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Alonso, we said in the last episode, he's the guy, like... Yeah, great season driver. Like he knows what he's doing, and, and people didn't expect him. Move. I mean, people didn't expect them to perform this well under Aston Martin. I think a lot of people saw in preseason testing that Aston Martin had the potential, but I think the most people saw them finishing was P four in the constructors. Well, they didn't think they would break into that top. Three. Right now, they're tied. Are they still tied with Mercedes for no, second Mercedes place? Lead, I Mercedes think, lead. A couple points. Um, actually. No, because Russell DNF'd and Stroll finished P4. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're tied for second place. I mean, we can have a look. Sure. I think Aston Martin lead just because Russell DNF'd. I'm not 100% sure. But Regardless, they're quite close to each other anyway, yeah, even, even if one is above the other. That's going to be one of the closest battles um, in terms of constructors. But yeah. I mean, Stroll in Saudi Arabia did quite well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, Stroll once no, again did well. Not, not Saudi Arabia. I'm pretty sure his car died. No, he he did well until his car died. Yeah. So yeah. I thought we were talking about the driver. No, I'm on. I'm on about. Um, I was on about points. So I said the wrong Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah. Um. In Bahrain, obviously he did well, and in this race, I think he did well. Nearly threw it all away though with that lock up on yeah. the start. But luckily that lap didn't count I mean, for him. Stroll was one of the drivers in in practice, and uh, I want to say qualifying, but I can't really remember who was sliding sliding around the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um. um I mean. Was he the one who went off on the so-called Perez corner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he um, was, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in term overall, after the first three rounds, you know, Aston Martin will be one of the happiest teams. I mean, Red Bull will be one of the happiest teams. If we remember back to the Bahrain Grand Prix, uh, I remember we spoke about it. And also, if you remember, we were watching qualifying and uh, or was it practice? I can't remember. But Alonso was locking up quite a lot. And we were saying this is his first Grand Prix in this car. Um, give it time. Give it and time. He didn't even need that much time. No, he didn't. He Grand was in. Prix. He was in podium in, in that race. Yeah, it and was then, in. It was in practice. He was locking up a bit, just trying out different setups and. Stuff. Yeah, and how? Um, yeah, when he came to the corners, and obviously you have to break. Then. Uh, but yeah, so Aston Martin, Red Bull, be very happy. Mercedes will be looking, um, like they're moving in the right direction, and McLaren are also making small steps forward, um, since their first two races which were a disaster disaster um ferrari a oh, ferrari <laughs> well, i mean what do we say about ferrari man no you can't really say race. anything i mean i think the science thing was unfair there are two um types of pains in this world that can't be compared with anything one's being a tottenham fan one's being a ferrari fan yeah right now i'm saying like Obviously, it could change ferrari are the most successful team in in F1 history but yeah right now just... uh, it can change however yeah man I, I mean, mean if you look at this point signs. at this point last season Leclerc was leading the championship by like 40 points two wins one P2 and now he's on like 8 points 
a DNF, two DNFs. Yep. And Bahrain his car stopped working. One P six. So let's get this straight. Bahrain his car stopped working. Saudi Arabia had ten uh, grid space penalty to start with. And finished P six. Finished P six and. Uh, in this Albert Park circuit. Didn't even finish one sector. <laughs> it's just, he was off. Someone get the Ferrari um, tissues and please just distribute them to an Italian in need. Because <laughs> they need you in this tough, tough time. Um, but I it's mean, actually quite disheartening to see and hopefully they can... Of course. Sort. I mean, they get extra pressure on them in the uh, Italian Grand Prix in Imola and Monza. That is because obviously they're, that's where the Ferrari's from. Uh, and Le- Leclerc, for example, in Monaco, he's still yet to win a Monaco but Grand to be Prix. Honest, I really don't think that Ferrari have the pace. I mean, we we've seen in twenty twenty one, for example, obviously Mercedes and Red Bull were on another planet in terms of pace, but Leclerc was still able to stick it on pole in Monaco, even if he didn't get to start the race because of the gearbox issue. But you know, it'll be interesting to see whether he can have that fight and drive in him to get another pole position at Monaco. But that's something we'll see, I guess, in the next few weeks. I mean, Monaco is one of those tight races that overtaking is... I mean, obviously it happens, but it's just a lot better. The further... It's one of them races that if you do start in pole, you have a massive advantage because... Unless not... you're Charles Leclerc. <laughs> yeah. Last season, starts pole, finishes P4. Someone explain. Please explain. I mean, <laughs> do you remember? I'm pretty sure it was two seasons ago now. Perez in a, in qualifying, just going straight into the wall. When was that? In Monaco. And then signs spun out. Tapped in. No, 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 that was last season. Last season, yeah, yeah. that's it, yeah. That was the uh, crash gate thing, where yeah. people were like, did he do it on purpose? Um, but yeah. I mean, I don't think he did do it on purpose. At that point, he was quite... It was quite tense between Perez and Red Bull. That's when uh, the contract negotiations were, you know, going to take place as well. I, just, I think if, to be honest, if he admitted to doing something on purpose, surely they, you'd get fired. Of course. I don't think he did that on purpose, because like I said, his... That's when he, it was a bit, you know, tight with Red Bull. Obviously, he wanted to still race for Red Bull. Uh, he won that Grand Prix, though, didn't he? Yes, he did. Monaco, yeah. yeah. Due to Ferrari screw-ups. So, you know. <laughs> obviously, after after qualifying, uh, it, Horner wasn't really happy with him. It was already tense between them two. However, he won the Grand Prix and... Uh, Got that new contract. He did. Because I remember in a covered it in Drive to Survive, Horner said they don't like any, you know uncertainties within the squad they want to keep all the relations together so they just gave him a contract as soon as they could you know the what I mean the question is will he get past 2023 or will there be pressure from Daniel Ricciardo that is see. another thing I mean Ricardo said in an interview very very recently um, that for now he's fine however he doesn't want to spend the next few seasons of his career as the, a reserve driver he literally said that like even exactly. if it wasn't and word for word he's not one to settle for a lesser drive um, that's otherwise he'd be at Haas right now. Probably. I mean, I've been seeing jokes and memes about it all the time. However, behind these jokes is is a level of seriousness as well. Everyone's been saying, uh, if Perez complains about anything, just like that, Red Bull will make the switch uh, yeah. and put Ricardo as because for a reserve driver, Ricardo's a great driver. You know, you can't forget that Daniel Ricardo is one of the most talented drivers in the world. Of course. So I don't think that if if he had to race uh, instead of Perez, I mean Perez is also a great driver. Obviously, we call him the street circuit specialist. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I their third option is a very 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 solid option if yeah, they had if they chose to go down there. Anyone who think that Daniel Ricciardo suddenly lost his ability or his drive just because it didn't click with McLaren, 
it would be silly to write him off. I think. Of course, yeah, so, no, no, no chance. But know, um, we'll see. yeah, like I said, if the, these jokes I've been seeing about Horner just putting Ricardo as the you know so-called second driver, it to a level, it's not a joke. You know. Yeah, you know, it could happen. Like it could happen. But obviously, we've been, we've been a bit sidetracked here. But um, I think that concludes our thoughts on the Australian Grand Prix. Um, let's just talk a bit about Baku, which is coming soon. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's we- a sprint weekend. Yeah, Baku. Uh, first time that sprint's being held at Baku. What do you think of the sprint? I don't. I don't mind sprints. However, when it comes to Baku, I don't know whether they should have just kept it as you know the classic format of just qualifying and race. Here's the problem with the sprint in a in a track like Baku. I think it can really work effectively at certain tracks, but that's what Baku, I'm saying. It's so high jeopardy. That's I what I'm saying. Yeah, drivers will almost be a bit. Um, what's the word tentative about making overtakes because obviously you could qualify p3 for example try and make that move into p2 to start on the front row of the race but if you get it wrong you're at the back of the grid because you crashed of course so, yeah literally i think i mean yeah and when it comes up to for example that turn uh right by the castle and, and turn, the, the turn one as well for example that it's quite tight in mm-hmm. baku um to be honest obviously the corners and turns are where drivers are supposed to make overtakes however in tracks like baku because of such long straights, that's where pace really plays a part. That's probably the safest place to make, uh, and that's probably where I'd assume the majority of the moves will be made in the sprint, just because, like I said, yeah. drivers won't want to risk their race I just mean, to get a couple of points in the sprint. I mean, in the, in an actual race, obviously, they try to reserve the tyre compounds to last, you know, however many laps. That's why they drop their pace sometimes. It's just that, but a sprint, obviously, is no pit stops unless damage. So it literally is just drivers giving it their all, trying yeah. to get in front. Absolutely. Um, which is why I don't think Baku's the greatest circuit for it. Like I said, I think just the long straights where cars reach top speeds of over two hundred miles an hour, I think that's where they, you know, that's where it's going to come down to overtakes. But then again, it's also going to come down to you know some cars are faster than the others. So it, how fair can it really be? You know. What yeah, I mean? I mean, I mean, we'll wait and see. We could be proven completely wrong. Of course. In terms of. Uh, Baku is a circuit what do you think I quite like it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you um, not for a sprint like we've just been saying but I kind of like it for the race um, brings out the all in the cars as well I think uh, Baku always reminds me of the Chinese Grand Prix because obviously it was supposed to be last weekend or the weekend before I can't really remember but mm. um, the Chinese Grand Prix over 50% over half of the track is taken at full throttle Mm-hmm. So and it's then got that really long back straight. Of course, and so yeah. Baku. And uh, and like I said, Baku cars reach speeds of over two hundred miles an hour, uh, which is just really it's, it's entertaining to watch. That's yeah, why I, I like mean, it. The thing I love about Baku, which is why it's, I'm I'm probably gonna say it's my favorite street circuit. You know, my opinions can change quite a bit, but at the minute, I think it's my favorite. Um, just because it has such variation, it's got those ninety degree corners. Yep. It's got those tight and twisty bit into turn eight in the old town of Baku, and, and that's straight off the yeah. long straight, isn't it? It's, yeah. No, sorry, it's not. It's um, it's after those ninety after degree the, corners. Yeah, ninety degree corners, um, and then you've obviously got the long straight where you'll see a lot of overtaking. So I think it's a track that gives you a bit of everything. So that's why um, I like it. It's also high high jeopardy, and you've got to get close to those walls to get the fastest quality time. Of course, which uh. I think it's where Sergio Perez feels right at home. Mm-hmm. As a street circuit specialist. I mean, so, we covered in the last episode about the Saudi Arabian one. You said uh, 
the reason why he's so good at street circuits is probably because he's he's more fearless than the other drivers when it comes to driving very close to the walls at high speeds. Exactly. Um, in terms of our predictions, who do you think will get pole position? <sighs> Dare I say anything other than Red Bull? Yeah. I think, um, I mean, like I said, when it comes to these long straights, it literally comes down to pace because... You're not really required to do any special manoeuvres. It's just foot down and go. You've got to time your gear shifts. Uh, you've got to hope your car's performing well. And for stuff like that, I'd say it just comes down to like Red Bull being the fastest car on the grid right now. However, I could be wrong. I, you know, this is the thing, like I said about F1. Like we say all this. However, when the race comes, we could either be just proven completely wrong or we could be completely right. Like, mm. I think... The big question is whether Perez will continue his good form in street circuits. Will he get pole position, do you think? I think he might do. He might do. However, like I said, street circuits, uh, you know, driving close to the walls, he's good at. However, this one, I keep saying it, but it does have a very, very, very long straight. So that, that like, I think that's where other drivers are just going to feel it's like a normal racetrack, not a street circuit one, because it's quite wide as well. Yeah, but I think, I guess that's neutralised across the whole grid, whereas for the first, especially early sectors, I think, it really relies on you having a skill set. Yeah. Um, especially at turn eight, for example. Turn eight, yeah. Turn eight's like a squiggly line, basically. Yeah, and that's just... where I think Perez will and have then, the advantage. So you do 90 degree turns, turn eight, and straight out of turn eight, you have a 90 degree turn into the long straight. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure. Much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to go for Sergio Perez's pole position. I just think that when it comes to street circuits, he's probably second to none, especially in a car like Red Bull. So I'm going to go for Perez, Verstappen, and you want to say I want to say Leclerc, only because Leclerc is historically very good around Baku. Um, but it all depends on whether Ferrari can have managed to make any progress over the month break that we've had. So yeah, I'm going to go with Perez, Verstappen, Leclerc for my top three in quali. What about you? You're going to call me crazy. Probably not. Okay. I also agree that a Red Bull will take pole position. Uh... I am gonna go over Stappen pole Perez. Uh, we're gonna go Perez third, and for second place, you're gonna call me crazy, but I'm gonna go for either Russell or Hamilton. You reckon Mercedes will be there? Yeah, I, I mean, after their great result in um, qualifying, I remember Lewis said, "Let's now turn this into something great in the race," and he managed to get P two. Uh, I think that's done nothing other than motivate him and the team. Um, Russell Russell already wants to get back after last race after Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get get P two. Uh, however, I also wouldn't be surprised if they do. I think they like I said they they've got just drive and ambition now. To so just are you make gonna it. go for Russell or Hamilton for P two? I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for Hamilton P two. So Verstappen Hamilton Perez. Yeah, and um, um, I mean, I hope this race. Everyone's cars are still intact. I hope, <laughs> I hope Russell can give give us all, and we could you know see how great he can perform on this type of circuit. Where, like I said, it just comes down to just ambition and just pace, really. Yeah, and in terms of the race, obviously I predicted Perez, Verstappen, Leclerc's the the front three, but I just don't think that Ferrari have the race pace. So I'm gonna go with, um, I think Perez will take victory. Verstappen second, and I think I will go for Russell in P3. I mean, Mercedes have also fixed up a lot when it comes to like the bouncing, for example, of last season, where mm-hmm. we saw Hamilton leave the car 
in physical pain, holding his lower back. Yeah, and just saying that it's the worst. And Daniel Ricciardo said it feels like a bouncing basketball. I mean, head. I remember. Yeah, I remember last season, FP1 Bahrain. First time we saw the cars. Uh, out, sorry, not FP1 and um, testing. testing. Yeah, first time we saw the cars out because of the new like um, rules and everything introduced that season as well. I think most cars had problems that the drivers were complaining about. Yeah. Um, most cars, you know, had bouncing as well. However, most, basically every car fixed the problems that the drivers were complaining about other than Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes were feeling it horribly in Baku. Thankfully, I don't think there's any porpoising issues this year. So Exactly, yeah. Ho- I mean, Hopefully that will be um, something that <laughs> the drivers' backs can avoid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the worst thing when it comes to bouncing is not the corners, it's the long straights because yeah. for a for a long time you're just obviously in pain. You're just like yeah, sit, like some basketball. It's to the also head. making your head shake and you can't see properly. It's gonna you know affect your vision as well. So yeah, thankfully that's gone. Um, so who are you going for in terms of your podium for the race? Podium. I listen. I think I'm gonna go for a Red Bull Mercedes podium again. Uh, I I think it's going to be... I, th- I think I'm going to go for a brave call out here and just keep it the same. I'm going to say Verstappen, Hamilton, Perez for that podium. That's one boring... I know. Race. However, however, <laughs> however, I think it's going to end like that, but I really don't think it's going to stay like that throughout the whole race, if you know what I mean. I think no, it's going to be... Think it's gonna change I think it's going to be changing around a lot. Um, however, this... This pole position you asked me for is that for the actual race or for the for the sprint? I literally forgot it's a sprint weekend. Because I was gonna say the one I gave you was for the sprint. I think it's gonna be Verstappen, Hamilton, Alonso for the sprint. Uh, but I think they're also gonna maintain it. I know it sounds boring right now. I'm saying the same thing for the sprint start uh, and race start and and race finish. But uh, I can see that happening. However, I do think it's gonna change around a lot during the race. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is, no matter what our predictions are, they're probably going to be wrong. Probably. And, um, yeah, we can talk about it in our next review. But, yeah, hopefully uh, Baku will produce a great race. And, yeah, that'll be it for this uh, edition of Round the Outside, your Speeding Shoot podcast. We hope you all enjoyed. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you in the next one.